So as always, people come to this church because of the slides, and you'll see that we've got a great slide again this morning. Um, these are the topics. Okay? Let's get in there. I got given a, a, the Passion Translation by a friend who went to States, and um, I'm going to read out of Romans 8 this morning. Okay? So if you've got a Bible, open Romans 8, and if you've got a phone, open your WhatsApp. Um, <laughs> So uh, the reason I'm preaching out of Romans 8 is because I think two weeks ago, it was three, two, three weeks ago when Leanne talked, I'd been reading it the night before and then she talked out of it as well and I just felt like, no. So I've been reading it just since then, it just sort of stayed with me and I've just been reading Romans 8. And if you didn't know what the Passion Translation is, what I mentioned a moment ago, it's, a, it's basically just a kind of a Bible where the guy's using nicer words. Not much has changed, but some of the things are beautiful. And so I've really been enjoying that out of Romans 8 this week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, basically what I want to do is, the most famous verse in Romans 8 is this one that says, So now the case is closed, there now, there now remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. That's the one you guys have all heard. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's verse 1, Romans 8. Everyone talks out of that. I'm not going to talk out of that. I'm going to talk out of some of the other things that st- stood out to me, some highlights from Romans 8. So this is basically Supersport Blitz. It's the highlights of all the little things that you've... If you're not sporty, um, it's, it's a sports channel with highlights on it. Okay. We're having a great laugh with, with Gaz the other night. He's quite sporty. According to Jess, he actually plays touch rugby, but Jess just knows it as sports. He's into the sports. So he went to a particular sports World Cup she was talking about. It was actually a rugby World Cup. But to her, anything with a ball, it's the sports. It's the sport World Cup. So we'll be discussing the sports World Cup this morning. So verse 3 says this. Yet God sent us... Everyone, is everyone okay? We're going to just do highlights package from this, uh, Romans 8. Verse 3, Yet God sent us His Son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's Son gave His body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. Ikshan, how are you, my brother? Nice to see you. So, God comes in human form to identify with human weakness. Ish was talking about this last week, that we, 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 we play down God's humanity because we want Him to be this great big God that is, has more power and more abilities than us so that we can disqualify ourselves from needing to be like him. Because we think, okay, he was fully God, and that was the main part about him. And then we sort of neglect to talk about the fully man. Because if he was fully man, it means we've got some confrontation to, you know, some things to address in ourselves. So it challenges us, and it says he came in human form to identify with our human weakness. Isn't it profound to start to think that God can completely identify with our humanity? And there's a shift moving in, 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 in theology I've noticed in the last few years, of people beginning to discover the humanity of God again, profound humanity of God. He came in, in a human body, in a human form, to be like us, to be one of us, so that he could know and relate to us on every level. So there's nothing that we can ever experience that he doesn't relate to us on. Isn't that comforting it's very comforting i think it was about a year ago we were singing that song from united pursuit feeling what he was in the dirt feeling what we feel and we were all just crying every time we sang it because we're just like starting to connect with wow he he feels what we feel he understands he knows those feelings and i and i remember preached i preached the told that story about about when jesus actually was sweating and his sweat became blood and uh, just that humanity that he 
was in, just to such an extent, the anguish. So he comes in a human form to identify with our human weakness. This is verse 3. Clothed with humanity, God's Son gave His body to be a sin offering so that we could once and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. So because He became so fully human, we can fully condemn and get rid of the power of guilt and sin in, in our humanity. Because He fully became human so that we can, He can fully relate to that in us. Amen? You get it. So it helps us because we start to get there's nothing that he doesn't relate to. There's nothing that, he now can, that I can now be condemned in. Okay? So uh, Eugene Peterson says, God gets down on his knees among us, on our, on our level, and shares himself with us. Isn't that cool? Gets down on our level among us, on his knees. It's like we've got this grand God. Wow, he's powerful. But he's also come as a man. And for the ladies, he came as someone identifying as a man. Okay, I'm just teasing. Just to put a bit of spice up. Okay, you know, there's a lot of things. Charlize Theron's in the news this week, and there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Sunday Times last week. God gets down on, on his knees among us and on our level and shares himself with us. He, God enters into our need. He anticipates our goals. He gets in our skin. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Isn't that comforting? I love Eugene Peterson, if anyone wants to read some, someone profound. He enters into our need, he anticipates our goals, he gets in our skin, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. What's, like that sense of just feeling no, so known better than you know yourself. It's quite profound. Like We think we know ourselves. Like I know the crevices of my shame, but actually he knows me better. It's very exciting. So verse 9, I'm jumping forward, as I said, highlights. And if you're not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you're not of Him. And if anyone is not joined to the Spirit of Christ, he cannot be himself. So, these are different versions. He also, also references off in Luke 15, verse 17, he says, The prodigal son came to himself. So it's like he had that moment when he realized, Flip, I am actually not this. I'm, not in, I'm, I'm living at a lower level than who I really am. I'm the son of this grand wealthy person, and I don't need to be eating pig food. And he came to himself. And it's the same words being used. We, it's sort of saying that if, if you're not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. And what he's trying to say to us is that if you're not in Christ, you can't actually ever fully become who you were de- designed and made to be. You can't fully become yourself. And it's such a freeing thing for us that when we come into Jesus, we get invited into this place where we're allowed to become ourselves. We've got this, this invitation, this beautiful space. We, all of a sudden we say, you know what, actually now I can become fully me. In Christ. Because before I was becoming someone and it had some cool aspects and some terrible aspects, but now I can become me. The person that God foredestined, you know, before the foundation of the earth, He knew me, He formed me, He made me to be this person. Sense of meaning, significance, life on me. You with me? That sense where you don't have those, those highs and lows about what you're about, who you are. That's who, what we discover in Christ. When we, unless we're in Christ, we can't fully become ourselves. A lovely definition of sin I heard this week. Sin is self-separation. So it's when we separate ourselves from who we really are. Yeah? It's like the space that we create from actually who we know we become in Christ. Isn't that freeing? All we have to do is just stay saying, I don't want to be separate anymore. That's my prayer, Father. I don't want to be separate anymore. I just want to be in you. I just want to be in you. To abide, just to abide, just to abide, to be fully in God. And not separate anymore and have these moments where I move from being myself to being in Christ and having this weird space in between. Anyone can relate to that? After like a moment of great 
sort of fall or whatever of conviction comes and you look at it and you go like, was I being myself? Am I being myself in that thing? Is that, is that me or is that not me? And it's like a sense of, flip, actually in Christ, that's not me. And then we realize, okay, that was clearly sin, but he's forgiven us already before we've even done it. And I was thinking about this a little bit. Imagine again that, that place before you met Jesus and you, and you, live, and you think about the, the, the sense of directionless and purposelessness, the, the confusion, the sort of throwing yourself at things and trying attempts at finding meaning before we found Jesus who answered all those needs, who answered all those things. I just wanted to remind you, when you see people, imagine that again and let the compassion of God rise up in you because it must be very difficult to not have a sense of meaning bigger than yourself. I think we forget when we've, when we've met Jesus, we forget that sense, that power that we now have, that our lives have, have a bigger meaning than ourselves. Like to us, it doesn't really matter where we sleep, where we eat, where we live, what we wear. It's Christ. That's what matters. But everyone else is hustling. It matters. And we forget what that pressure is like, what that, that intensity that comes from that is like. So in Jesus is the only place we can fully become ourselves. What a freeing discovery. Who, who agrees? Who feels free in Christ? Anybody doesn't feel free in Christ, be vulnerable right now. We pray for you later. Because you should. That's the place we should arrive at in Jesus. That no condemnation. Just welcome and free in Christ. Because it is possible to, be, to believe, be a Christian, be a believer and still not feeling free. Just for the record. Okay, jumping forward again to the next sports. Verse 19. So these are the slides. Actually, I've, I've got... You, you know, it's working, eh? You're seeing. Amazing. So, different things I'm saying are up on the slides. That's how the slide projection works in this church. What we do is we put the things up and then we just talk through them. And then afterwards we turn it off. And we don't allow people to bring those crazy ass blue with the shooting arrow, flipping, most ridiculous thing you've ever seen with the little kink in the arrow. And, yeah? You need a point. We don't. We don't. If anyone ever comes to this church with that presentation, there will be condemnation. There will be. There will be. There will be. It's horrendous. Eh? How to get people to switch off? Eh? How to get them to switch on is to mock other people's slides, I think. You see, I'm getting huge engagement. Huge engagement. Yeah. No, we've actually, we've really, we've, we hit a low. With slides eh, in the world. It's, we've hit, yeah, slides. But I must say, as far as slides go, this is one of the better ones. Yeah. Yeah. My brother's slides are definitely by far the most hand drawn. Yeah. So with outstretched neck, verse 19, the entire universe is standing on tiptoes. What a nice way of saying this. Sense of anticipation. Intense anticipation. Anxiously anticipating what is about to happen with an outstretched neck. You know that thing? Someone was teasing me. What is an outstretched neck? So because you teased me, I want you to do for everyone. Just show everyone there, guys. The girl in the green there. That's an outstretched neck. She saw my slide. She actually made the slide. Um. <laughs> she's a, she does a graphic design you can look her up she's a great designer she made the slide <laughs> you can see anyone want to hire her so an outstretched neck is, that, is that, that sense of just like trying to flipping make yourself be able to look around the corner 
with this neck that's just not long enough. Henry Nguyen says, The spiritual life does not remove us from the world, but leads us deeper into it. Okay? I just want to digress here for a moment. Right now, there's a trend on spirituality. I've talked about this a bit before, but there's a trend to be spiritual. Everyone is spiritual. Are you a believer in this or that? No, I'm spiritual. Would you agree? You're hearing people saying it's more normal to say I'm spiritual. Being spiritual is now cool. It's in to be spiritual. It used to be odd. It used to be observatory. <laughs> Sorry. I, did, I forgot you were here, man. <laughs> no, I knew you were here. I was just teasing. I set that up. But it used to be like the New Age Fair in the Ob's Town Hall. Remember? Okay? Spiritual. But actually to be spiritual for us is not something like, it's not, a, it's not a new thing, it's not a profound thing. It's actually just to discover Christ for each one of us. It's not like this, and I feel like what's busy happening in the world is this, is this, this attempt to take, the, to take spirituality away from what it really is and to make it a pursuit and make it something that it actually isn't. Spirituality is relationship with Jesus. That's the ultimate bottom line of, spirit, of, of what it is to be spiritual. It's to become fully alive, actually. Yeah. Body, soul, mind, and spirit. Just becoming who you are in Christ. It's impossible to be you without being in Christ. So being spiritual is actually not being sort of removing yourself to go off to meditation, as Henry Nguyen is saying. It's actually going deeper into the reality of your humanity. Because you can't be fully human and not start to have compassion and things well up in you for other people and those kind of things start to happen in you. And that makes you more spiritual because you actually see more people as who they are. And what, there's this, for, thanks, Claire. There's a thing of, of compassion. For me, compassion is a major measure. It's a major measure in our, for us. If, I'm, if compassion is welling up in me for other people, then, I, I, then, I'm, then I'm getting spirituality right. Because as... He's loved me, so now I'll begin to love others. Yeah? yeah? The first one, the one that he said. So as Henry Nguyen says, it doesn't remove us from the world, but it leads us deeper into the world. There should be a thing of us going, I am going to Bloemfontein because I've discovered something that there might possibly be someone there in Bloemfontein that God has an agenda for. And all I've got to do is just go to Bloem, order a coffee at the Wimpy, and say, Uchanet. And that person has an encounter just saying. Vim, was, that, was it right? Who hand it? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. What sort of ca- region of the country was that accent from? Would you say? Just flat. Flat, okay. Flat. Anyway, so it can work in Bloom. Okay. Maybe next week for the Bloom, for the Bloom ad, you must practice a bit of a Bloom accent. And then you teach us. So we can. That'll be fantastic, yeah. Do a little skit. That'll be lovely. John 3, um, 16 is the one you guys learned, but I want to read John three fifteen, So that those who truly believe in him will not perish but be given eternal life. The one that comes before, for God so loved the world. Okay, so that those who truly believe in him will not perish but be given eternal life. Now a guy, uh, a guy called Matt Heim, I just, he, wrote this, he rewrote that and he, and he said this, Whoever puts all their trust in me will have real life, the way you were always created to live, and this will go on forever. So there's this thing going on of like, I get saved and I get eternal life. And that was the point. No, when I get saved, I get real life now. That's, that's what the point was. It was never about what comes later. It was always about what I enter into in that moment. And it doesn't then change. It doesn't then become something ongoingly more that I'm waiting for or that I discover. So, you know, for God to love the world, He loves you, you get saved, and then you get eternal life. Well done. You're in. 
you made it. That's been the gospel for a long time. But the gospel is actually that I get real life. I'm going to read it again to you. Whoever puts their trust in me, and I think, as I said earlier when we were singing, the thing of trusting in God is our ultimate worship. God, I'm going to trust you completely. Every level, every layer, every moment. Putting our trust in Him, as we put our trust in Him, we'll have real life, the way you were always created to live. And this life will go on forever. That's the part about eternity. The real life that you now discover in Christ will happen. By, by the way, it happens to go on forever. It's not the point. The point is what you're living now. So feel that sense of guilt and shame and condemnation to be shifted, to awaken to how much God actually loves you and discover the real life that he's offering us right now. Verse 23, it's not just creation who, are, who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly and, and of the uh, Spirit and also inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. Who wants a, a, a transformed physical body? Anybody? <laughs> a few ailments, a few things you're wishing, like there's age, there's whatever, there's a, there's a nose, there's an arm, there's a thing you don't like. Um, and then verse 24, for this is the hope of our salvation. So when he talks about um, the first fruits of the Spirit, so it starts, it's not just creation that's groaning and waiting with an outstretched neck for the sons and daughters of God to discover who they really are. It's actually all the other people like us who've discovered, who've, who've encountered Jesus. We've experienced some of the first fruits. So he says it's not just creation, it's, it's we who've already experienced the first fruits. And what are the first fruits that we've experienced? Can I give you some examples? His presence. Yeah? Isn't it lovely? Like we just, we can't, we always, we can't get enough of it. The gifts that he's given us over and over again, his wisdom and his power. Those are the things that, that he's, so we've experienced these things. And if you haven't yet experienced all of them, that's what's exciting. But there's a sense of, I get to experience the, the, the indwelling presence of God. The indwelling presence of God, that there's no part of me now that can be separated from his presence. That's the first fruit of what Jesus came to do. The indwelling presence. After me will come someone who's even greater and he will dwell within you, amongst you, within your context, your community. Yeah? So his gifts, his wisdom, and his transforming power. We, um, you guys are from PE. When I was there on Easter, at Easter weekend, there was a lady with a, um, a sore leg and I got this random, uh, someone's got an issue with their left leg and she put her hand up. And I never get that stuff right. And she put her hand up and <clears throat> immediately someone prayed for her and she just completely zing-zonged in the spirit, fell to the floor and she was fully healed. And she came back on the Sunday and she said, just, I just felt so noticed. And I mean, she'd been healed, so she was quite excited about the leg thing. But I just loved the testimony because she said, I felt noticed. Like God sees you and he knows you. And half the time it's irrelevant that we get it wrong or right or whatever. It's about God knows you and he's got a plan for you and he notices you right now. There's someone outside of your situation who can bring the power, the transforming power of God into your situation and just say God sees you and he knows you and he notices you. Yeah? That's, it's exciting when we get to partner with God in that way. Another cool story I had there was this guy. I took a complete risk. It was like the one that Josh took in the... In the George parking lot, where he went up to a guy without even saying hello, he says to the guy, Your dead grandson. And the guy looked at him and he said, I don't have a grandchild. And then he said to him, God's still got a plan for your life. <laughs> so you can, re you can redeem it. But I, I took one of those punts. I, I said to a guy, Something happened when you were 13. 
just like straight up 13. I didn't, even, I didn't say like something happened in the range of your teens, you know. That's how most of us would have worded it. I see you and I see teenage. You battled. <laughs> yeah? So, sort of from <laughs> birth to 20. <laughs> Stuff went down. <laughs> Isn't that how most of you? Be honest, be honest. When last have you said 13? Yeah, anybody? No. Jeez, we need, to, we need to up the ante of the risk-taking again. And as I said 13, he just started weeping. His parents died when he was 13. And it was the most beautiful encounter with this guy. Just like praying, ministering to him the love of God again. Just like God knows, he still remembers that. He sees that time and he wants to minister to your heart in that place. It was awesome. So I'm just reminding you guys of some of these little stories of how the transforming power of God comes in and just does this, this ridiculous thing that we could never bring. And he's been doing that in all of our lives, but it's not for us, because the compassion must well up within us. And you have to start somewhere. You have to move. You have to shift yourself off your ass, do something, and go to actually take a risk. Your dead grandson. It's better than not your dead grandson. Yeah? So verse 26 says, But the Holy Spirit... I'm, I'm, I'm moving on to the... Almost on the last slide, yeah. But the Holy, I know you guys are loving the slides. This one slide. Verse 26. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Isn't it nice to know that there's, there's intercession going on above your life with emotional sighs too deep for words? Yeah? I want to ask you guys a question. Deep, a meaningful question to ask you for yourself going forward. When last have you had an emotional sigh over someone else's life? When last have you interceded and had an emotional sigh, too deep for words, over someone else? Allowing the Spirit to well up within you, to stir you with compassion over someone, as He does. I don't want an answer, to be honest. Yeah, it's fine. I, I thought you had a question. Good. And I just felt this for someone else. And I was thinking, my heart was like, Lord, let me just see something come out of this. Mm. I've never had this in my heart for someone else. And my, I think my heart is just here to just know that it did something. Not that yes. I need to see it. Just, it was so powerful that you almost want to. But yes. It's just, what you said was just. Good. So that's beautiful because. The, the, the place that we get to as, as we mature in God is to begin to have compassion and to begin to move from being people who ask God for specific breakthroughs to being people who intercede. That's what maturity looks like for all of us. is to, to shift from a prayer relationship with God that is request-based to uh, engagement with God that, that's intercession-based. It's not about you. It's about His kingdom and about other people. You become other-centric when you are Christ-centered. You move from being on about yourself to being on about Him. And so there's a massive shift for each one of us. That this, We said at the beginning of the year, we declared the year of the inner life. And I keep reminding you guys that intercession is the, the center of what God wants to do with you, with us. It's what He's doing with us right now. Teaching us how to move from a request-based relationship. God, will you do this for me? God, will you do this for them? To actually interceding. To, 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 I love that. I just, I've been reading that, that little verse over and over again this week. The Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede. He rises up within us 
He wants to do that if we'll let him. Yeah? Who's willing? Anybody? I'm just getting engagement. Good. Who's willing? He rises on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. The Greek word, let's have a go, it's a nice laugh. Hupa ren ren tukano. Hyper intercession. That means hyper intercession. So do some of that. Hyper intercession. Verse 27, God the searcher of the heart knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. I read an article in The Economist the other day, it's a book review, a book called Good Reasons for Bad Feelings, a guy by the name of Randolph Ness, and he, said, he asked this question, is there something very important that you're trying and failing to do, but can't bring yourself to give up? I'll ask you again. Is there something very important that you are trying and failing to do, but you can't give your, bring yourself to give it up? So this book is, is all about good reasons for bad feelings. So they're trying to dig into depression and other motivations and causes where depression could be coming from than just throwing medicine at people, which helps, but also has become very normal. So he's, he's trying to look at things from a different perspective. What's going on on a deeper level? Like when you go and see a homeopathic doctor or those kind of things. And um, I just, I've been reading that and thinking, what are the things in my life that keep throwing me off that I've been trying to do, but I just sort of, I'm not getting them right and I can't actually give up trying. I can't give up trying. I just keep trying to do this, to, 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 to get this to happen. And then somehow I get this like emotional zing-zong of this lows and highs because of this thing. I just can't let it go. And we've all got those things all, all over our lives. Yeah? And this verse 27, God, the search of the heart, knows fully our longings. We can trust Him with it. We can trust Him with anything. He knows fully our longings. He's interceding on our behalf for our success. Just like sets us free to say, you know what, I've been trying to do this, and I've been failing at it, and now I need to give it up. Just like sets us free, because He knows my longings. He knew that I was trying to do this, and He just lets us, just, like He just take, takes the hook out, and we can just let go. Yeah? This is a deep thing I know I'm talking about. And, and then you start praying big prayers and you get scared. I was praying some things this week and I was thinking, I feel awkward alone in my office praying this. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Who's recently felt awkward at the size of your prayer? I honestly felt that. And I wanted to share that with you, to be vulnerable with you, to say to you that I started to feel awkward and that's embarrassing for me. I was like... How, why am I feeling awkward to ask God for the things that He knows are my longings? It's weird. It's wrong. I need a change. And He's doing that with me, but it's a process where you start to, when you speak something, you feel foolish. So you can have, like, you have some thoughts and then you just quickly distract yourself and you don't have those thoughts anymore. Whatever, cool. That was thoughts, they moved on. But to speak it and to put voice to it in the awkward room alone where no one's there, that's how bad it was. Anybody can relate to that? You've prayed something big in your car once and it just felt like an awkward space afterwards. <laughs> yeah? No? Not yet. I'm hoping we're all getting there because that's the, that's the, that's, that's the journey of going with God, okay? This is one that I'm just loving. God has a bigger plan for us than we have for ourselves. Yeah? Just say it with me. God has a bigger plan for us than we have for ourselves. Yeah? 
Say it to someone next to you. He's got a bigger plan for you. Bigger plan for you. He's got a bigger plan for you. Yeah? He's got a bigger plan for you. Then you can ask, think, or even imagine. It's bigger than you. So often we let the how get in the way of the what God wants to do with us. We can't figure out how to do what God has called us to do, so we don't do it at all. I'm going to read that one again to you, okay? So often we let the how get in the way of the what God has called us to. Okay? We can't figure out exactly how we're supposed to do it, so we actually don't do it at all. It's a guy called Mark Batterson, a book I'm reading about prayers. Yeah, good book. And he just, I've been really enjoying it. Who relates to that? We let the how get into the way of the what. We get overwhelmed, but how is this going to happen to such an extent that we just don't do it oft at all? Yeah? So let's just open up our hands quickly. Say, Jesus, shift us. We want to be people of faith. Amen. I feel like we need to do that more often. Constantly doing that. Shifting ourselves to not being challenged by the how but by who it is we're praying to. That's what should be leading us. Okay, I'm on the last one. Everyone's still with me? We finished at 11, so I've got 60 seconds. I'm doing fine, eh? I did, I, you know, I've been timing it. Some of the guys got on too long, and I feel like I've been fine. <clears throat> Ravi Zacharias has got this amazing book called The Grand Weaver. If you haven't read A Lovely Life Story, go and read Ravi's story of his salvation. Profound profound. Ravi Zacharias, the Grand Weaver. Go read it. And I just have never forgotten the phrase, the Grand Weaver. I think about it all the time. And then when I picked this up in verse 28, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually, continually woven. And then I was just like, oh, Ravi, wow, what a story, God, how he wove your life. And then I just connected to it so much about how he's weaving all of our lives, our situations, Lisbon, whatever, the things that are going on in all lives. He's this weaver, but it's all aimed towards encounter and relationship with Him to the highest degree, letting go of ourselves and becoming more and fully in Christ. Yeah, And it's so safe. It brings us such a safety. Then it says, so it's continually, um, our lives are, uh, every detail of our lives is continually woven in to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Isn't that fantastic? He's weaving things to bring good into our lives. That's what He's doing. That's always what He's doing. He's not weaving things to bring calamity. We don't believe the old Matt Rodman song. We don't agree with that one uh, bridge part, okay? Give and take away, okay? He's weaving for your good all the time. For we are his lovers who've been called to fulfill his design purpose. For we are his lovers who've been called to fulfill his design purpose. So when last did you take time to, with the Father and say, just, here I am simply because I love you? When else did you do that? Do it today. Here I am, simply because I love you. You know, this is me. You know me. I'm here because I love you. And then just have a jot a pad there, whatever. Jot the things down that are going to distract you until there's no more. And you've got a mursa to-do list that you've built up there for, you know, three weeks worth of to-do and your mind is finally clear. And then you just say it again. Here I am because I love you. And just keep saying it until eventually your mind is clear and you're there. As our, I mustn't mention his name, but as one of the New Age thinkers says, you know, let the thoughts come and then just say to them, you know what, it's not time for you. Move on. And then just let them come. Time, your time will come later. And then just let the river of his love come towards you. Yeah? Father, here I am because I simply love you.
other day, there was a guy prophesying. I was in a meeting, and he said to a guy, yeah, yeah, interesting meeting. The other day there was a meeting, there was a guy prophesying. We've been in one of those. <laughs> and um, he was prophesying and he said, he's, John, you were there and uh, there in, in Plumstead. And he said, to, um, he said to this one small girl, he called her out in the crowd, young girl, like 10, 13 years old, he said to her, uh, God's got a plan for you, your dead granddaughter, he took some risks, he did all of it. And then it was, it was on. He, was, he had some good stuff and he was declaring this thing. And then he said to her, um, you're going to play keyboard or piano. And she was just crying and she was like probably 12 years old or something, really young. And she was sitting next to an old, like really old grandpa guy who I know. So it was his niece. And I was sitting about three rows back and I just saw this and she was just really encountering and she was thinking. And then I thought now, does she have a keyboard? Practically. Like there's a prophecy. He has... So I went up to him and I said to him, does she have a keyboard? No. So I bought her a keyboard. So only one eight on take a lot. You know what I mean? The, she's like 12, so I thought one eight. It's fine. It's a start. It's a Casio. It's a good brand. It's good. It was a better than the other one. The, the prophecy is beautiful, but the partnership is important. So I'm not telling you that story to tell you I gave someone 118 e-bucks. I'm telling you it was actually e-bucks as well. Okay. Yeah. So I'm telling you that story because sometimes you've got to come alongside God practically and say, this is what I heard you said in that person's life or you did, whatever, and then I'm going to walk next to them and I'm going to just do this right now. And it's not just about this grand, I heard God, whatever. I, didn't even, I just thought, I saw this child, I thought, she doesn't have a keyboard, how is she going to do it? Practically. Mm-hmm. And the prophecy could have been wrong. She might have, she might have needed a guitar, but it's irrelevant. We'll, never, we'll, know, we'll find out in some years' time. We'll find out. Yeah? I'm telling you that story because I feel like for a lot of us, we pray for things that are these grand things. We're waiting on God to move, to do this incredible thing. But we're not practical. I'm busy reading a book at the moment, getting sidetracked. I'm supposed to be closing. And he's t- everyone's praying for revival. But no one's feeding the poor. Yeah. And what does revival yeah. result in? Healing of the sick, casting out the demons, raising the dead. Luke 10, pronouncing the good news. That's, that's, isn't that the ultimate result of revival? There was this move of God in, in Wales, whatever, and people came from all over and his spirit was easy to enter his presence and people were getting saved and their lives were being changed and then they couldn't understand each other, the miners, because they weren't swearing anymore and you hear all those cool stories. Their lives are actually being shifted at every level. But a lot of the time we spend these grand prayers, God, let your presence come in Cape Town. Let your spirit come that we might know and you might move here. But actually, there's poor people. And there's need, and there's a sick person, and we have to partner with God in that moment. Maybe the person in the, in the street that you prayed for that was sick doesn't get healed in the moment, but we still have faith that God's showing them His love. That's what's most important, that they're feeling a sense of His love. Someone sees me, they notice me, they know me. I matter. I'm known. Yeah? I'm getting sidetracked, but I just want to tell you that's maybe in a, when I preach next month, my four-week wait, I'll have all my other notes and I'll talk about that. <clears throat> I thought I should tell you guys, you know, the way that I prepare these preachers is basically, 
whatever I've been thinking about, I just tell you. I basically spew it out. And then there's no structure to it, as you can see. It's, a, it's always a buffet. And I can't do it too often. Because you can't go through things like this every day. You know, in five days, that changes the thing up a bit. I'm just telling you that so that you know. Because sometimes I think that uh, I would like to have these more structured, exegetical kind of setups. But you can't do that if you're not trained. So I'm working on it. Okay, I'm going to close with this thing here. This litmus test um, slide. It's on the bottom of the slide there. <clears throat> would you agree with that statement? A litmus test of spirituality? Hmm. What do you think? Verse 32, He certainly won't withhold from us anything else that He has to give. He's given us Jesus. He gave us His only Son. In Genesis 22, it says, um, Thanks, Teddy, we all now know. Fantastic. Teddy needs a wee. I love this, this venue. Yeah. It's fantastic. Where else would you get that kind of interruption? It's fantastic. As the preacher's bringing it down, starting to whisper, Mom, I need a wee. <laughs> Piano starts to play. Next kid comes in, Mom, poo. In Genesis 22, when God asks Abraham to give up, him, give up Isaac, and then he doesn't make him do it, God actually gives us Jesus. He does it. You know what I mean? He doesn't ask anything of us that's harder than something he would not make himself do. Yeah? And I think this is quite a profound thing for us to, to, to grab hold of. He certainly won't withhold anything from us that he has to give us. He didn't spare Jesus for us, but he allowed Isaac to be spared. And he does that over and over again, his kindness over and over again to us. You know, all the time God's doing his things, he's got these things he wants to, to just do for us. Like you've been waiting for something for a long time and then just, he wants to just do it for you. Immediately, in the next moment. But we need to allow Him to do it. I feel like there's a sense of beginning to walk with God in a relational way that it's not about what He's going to do, but it's about having the relationship, having the journey. It's not about where we're arriving at, it's about who we're walking with. As Dave often preaches here, it's just the sense of our hearts burnt within us when we walked with Him <laughs> along the road to Emmaus. It's like, didn't our hearts burn within us? That was the point, to walk with Him. And I was praying over Ella earlier this morning and I got that sense for I just said that's a phrase for you for, for today. Your heart will burn within you. And I'll speak that over all of you guys again. Our hearts will burn within us to such a sense that we say like surely someone else must, they need, they need, this, they need to experience this again. All for the first time. I had a whole lot of cool stories here but I'm going to stop because it's now 11.09. So let's stand together and um, I'm going to pray. <clears throat> And then I've prepared a second slide, fantastic slide, um, for you guys to read out with me. Okay? There is
So Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. I'll just open up your hands with me quick. We're going to pray for two minutes and then we'll, we'll shut it down. We thank you that there is nothing that can separate us from your life right now. Nothing. The, the verse before it just says, nothing present or to come. That can weaken your love. There's no power beneath us. No power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from your life. So I, I just pray over my friends right now that where there's, where there's concern, where there's doubt, where there's fear, where there's shame, where there's condemnation, that this whole anointing of Romans 8 and everything we can discover from it would fall on everyone here right now. That there would be no shame, no condemnation, no guilt. We'd have a sense of your love and our nearness to you, Father. That would be shifted, that our hearts would burn within us. I pray that nothing... We would just, I just get the sense of declaring each one of you again that your next gift from God is good. And he just says to you, just begin to discover the fact that the parcel that's on its way, it's like there's a DHL guy about to ring your doorbell and it's always good. It's always good. It's always good. He's always about to ring the doorbell and he's always holding something you want. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come with a healing power and you just correct us and shift us where we've believed things that are not true where we've allowed ourselves to have guilt and shame and condemnation, do you move us, Jesus, by your love, by your love, by your love. Nothing present or nothing in the future can, sh- can shake your love for us. So I want to declare that over some of you with as much authority as I can possibly say to you, there's nothing in your present or nothing in your future that can shake how much God loves you. There's nothing in your future that can shake how much God loves you. There's nothing in your future that can shake how much God loves you. And we sang that song earlier, and I just felt like the Spirit was on that. You find me in between the thunder and the lightning. And you come, and you always find us there, in that place of challenge in those things. And we thank you, God, for the hardships that we're in, because we're discovering your love. We thank you, God, for the challenges you've, you've allowed, so that we can discover your love in a deeper way, and walk with you in more relationship, Jesus. Because that's the longing of our heart, Father, to be closer to you. To have deeper, more meaningful encounter with you every moment of the day. To just take a deep breath. We just breathe you in right now, Holy Spirit, as a reminder, as if we were just being reminded of his blood and his, and his body, being, just breathing him in, and the, the, the humanity of God amongst us. He knows us, he knows how we feel, and he knows the longings of our hearts. Amen, 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 to who, what you've done over our lives, Jesus, who you are to us right now, by your Spirit. So I'm going to close the meeting. And I'm going to offer healing prayer to anybody who'd like to stay. I'll stay up in the front. And I'll welcome anyone who wants to come and pray. But we thank you, Jesus, for what you've been doing and saying. Amen. And have a fantastic Sunday. If you'd like to come for prayer for any kind of ailment, you're welcome to come. I'd love to pray with you.